0: open them up to the book of Matthew, chapter 1, you know, it it was several months ago, um, it started planning out and kind of look ahead and thinking, you know, okay, well, after we finished the book of Revelation, you know, and people were asking, well, where are we going to go next? And, you know, I, the Lord just kind of laid down my heart, well, we'll go back to the beginning of the New Testament and start through Matthew. But it wasn't until just a couple of months ago when we were planning out and we were looking at those flyers, the cards that we were going to put together to send out, hand out, that again, just planning out the weeks, me taking a week off and then just kind of boom, 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 before I realized, man, God, you're so Cool. We're going to be talking about the Christmas story the week of Christmas. I mean, I, I didn't plan that. That's, I mean, I, I'm sorry, just <laughs> letting you know how cool God is with that. <laughs> Matthew chapter 1, verse 18. Last week we looked at the first 17 verses of, of Matthew's opening chapter in his gospel, and we talked of the genealogy, the lineage of Jesus leading up to his birth. Follow along with me beginning in verse 18, Matthew chapter 1. Now the birth of Jesus Christ was as follows. When his mother Mary had been betrothed to Joseph, before they came together, she was found to be with child by the Holy Spirit. And Joseph, her husband, being a righteous man and not wanting to disgrace her, planned to send her away secretly. But when he had considered this, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David... And Joseph awoke from his sleep, and did as the angel of the Lord commanded him, and took Mary as his wife, but kept her a virgin until she gave birth to a son, and he called his name Jesus. The Christmas story, story again that we are all very familiar with, and it begins again as we go back to verse 18, and we, we look, it says, the birth of Jesus Christ was as follows. This is how it took place. When his mother Mary had been betrothed to Joseph, before they came together, she was found to be with child by the Holy Spirit. Now if you were with us last week, you'll remember as we went through the genealogy, the lineage of the Lord Jesus, we heard a phrase repeated over and over and over from chapter 2 all the way through, or I'm sorry, verse 2 all the way through verse 15. The father of, the father of, the father of, repeated over and over. That's the Greek word ganao, which means begat. That means the physical fathering of a child. We know that every child born from Cain all the way through to any child born today, every child is born of the same way. The union between a man and a woman coming together, and at conception, that life begins. And by the way, just a little note, that is when life begins, at conception when 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 that when that moment happens but before that moment happens that life is not there it's not an eternal life from the from the past that life begins at that moment. They are a totally new creature at that time not eternal. however this particular story, this baby that we talk of this morning is is very different. John in his gospel, John chapter 1 verse 1 says, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. John goes on to tell us that the Word he's speaking of, that is the Lord Jesus that he is referring to there as the Word. Jesus is unlike any other baby before or since. If he was born like any other baby... A man and a woman, as we have discussed. He couldn't be God. But he has an earthly mother, Mary, but he is not begotten of an earthly father. We see as John continues, John chapter 1 verse 14, and the word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we saw his glory, glory as of the only begotten from the Father, full of grace and truth begotten of God the Father through an earthly mother, but not an earthly father. And I am making a huge point of this because, guys, this is extremely important. This is the the doctrine of the virgin birth, the birth that is foretold, as we see, hundreds of years beforehand that a virgin will bear a child. And and it has to be this way. This is one of those non-negotiables, if you would. There are many out there that will say, you know, we, we believe the same thing you do. You Christians, we, we believe the same thing. You know, for the most part, we're right on line with you guys. We, we believe all, that, all this, but, you know, when it comes to the virgin birth, we, we, we're, we're, we differ there because we don't believe that that could happen, you know. We don't believe that, that Jesus then is, is God through that. But other than that, we're on the same page. Guys, if they believe that, they're not in the same book much less the same page. This is one of those non-negotiable truths. Jesus, earthly mother Mary, heavenly father, not, not, not conceived as all the rest are. Again, extremely important, and we will continue to look at that as we go, but the story is all about Jesus. But I wanna take a moment and take a look at a couple of the other other characters in our story because as we see in verse 18, it says, when his mother Mary had been betrothed to Joseph. Now, Matthew, as we said last week, Matthew focuses his gospel, his main audience was the Jewish people, so he focuses on Joseph, his, his lineage to this point, and then, then continues on the story as we go through and finish in, in chapter 1 here. The main focus on that is then is Joseph from his point of view. So turn with me to Luke chapter 1, and we get a little bit more information about, about Mary and what goes on with her during this. Luke chapter 1, beginning in verse 26. Luke records for us, Luke 1, 26. Now in the sixth month, that is the sixth month of the pregnancy of Mary's cousin, Elizabeth. Now in the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent from God to a city in Galilee called Nazareth. To a virgin engaged to a man whose name was Joseph of the descendants of David. And the virgin's name was Mary. And coming in, he said to her, Greetings, favored one, the Lord is with you. But she was very perplexed at this statement and kept pondering what kind of salutation this was. The angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High, and the Lord God will give him the throne of his father David. And he will reign over the house of Jacob forever, and his kingdom will have no end. Mary said to the angel, how can this be, since I am a virgin? The angel answered and said to her, the Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you, and for that reason the Holy Child shall be called the Son of God. And behold... Even your relative Elizabeth, who has also conceived a son in her old age, and she will also be called oh, and she who is also called barren is now in her sixth month, for nothing will be impossible with God. And Mary said, Behold, the bond slave of the Lord, may it be done to me according to your word. And the angel departed from her. Here we have the, the, the story from, from Mary's side, Mary's point of view, if you would. And we see, we don't know a whole lot of very specific details about Mary. Most Bible scholars believe that she was between the age of 13 to 16, 17 age. So but put it in the middle there. Let's imagine a 15-year-old girl from a town called Nazareth. Now, Nazareth. Nazareth, don't know, again, it's a small little place, not a whole lot going on in Nazareth. Kind of like, wh- how many of you were living in Surprise 20 years ago? Okay, three. That's kind of, uh, <laughs> that, that's kind of what, it, it, Surprise 20 years ago was kind of like Nazareth. I mean, it was this small place, not much happening. When we moved here 15 years ago, there's two grocery stores and two gas stations. And that's it. There was, you had to, we had to drive all the way to Arrowhead to do anything. It was kind of this out-of-the-way place that hardly anybody knew anything about. Was, I, I talked to somebody after the service last night, and they said yeah, they were born in Phoenix, grew up in Phoenix, and it wasn't until 12 years ago they'd never even heard a surprise. <laughs> and they grew up here. And that's kind of like Nazareth. Not much going on there. As a matter of fact, Nathaniel, when he was approached and told that, that they believed in the Messiah, they found the Messiah, for, and he was from Nazareth. He goes, Anything ever good come out of Nazareth? And that's kind of the thought. So here we have this 15 year old girl from, from Nowheresville. And this angel appears to her and says, Greetings, favored one and it tells us that that she's perplexed by this statement and and one of the things characteristics that we see then right away in mary is this humility she's she's blown away by the fact that that this angel would appear to her first of all but then call her favored you see we see in this fact that the Lord chooses based on, on criteria that, that the world doesn't see. We know that. God, God said that. I don't look at the same things that the world looks at. I look at the heart, God says. And, and we see that because, again, if we're going to pick someone to, to bring the Messiah through to the world, we're going to pick a 15-year-old girl from nowheresville, a peasant girl. But God doesn't look at all of that. He looks at the heart. And he, and he sees a heart for God, a heart for the things of God. It's interesting when we look at this word that is, that is used in verse 28, greetings, favored one. And the, in verse 30, for you have found favor with God. You have found favor. That is the Greek word charis, which is used over and throughout the New Testament. It's the word for grace. You have found grace. You have found grace with God. Now, it's interesting. In verse 28, that word is used. It's the same root word, but it's used a little differently. It's it's called karitu. That's the word there. And it means one who has been pursued by grace. Now, I make a point of that because the Lord saw in Mary and in her heart one that when pursued by grace... Didn't run from it. She received it. It says, "You have found favor. You have found grace." And in that, I want to challenge us all this morning, and we'll go through talk about it in a little more detail. But but when we are pursued by the grace of God, do we find it or do we flee from it? You see, it comes in different ways than we might expect. We look and we see and we understand that Mary had a heart for the things of God. She had a heart for the word of God. Continue with me in Luke's gospel. Again, chapter 1 in verse 46, we see a response that she has. She's now with her cousin Elizabeth, and they are discussing this amazing thing that has happened to Mary. And she says this, and Mary said, verse 46, My soul exalts the Lord, and my spirit has rejoiced in God my Savior. For he has had regard for the humble state of his bondslave. For behold, from this time on, all generations will count me blessed. For the mighty one has done great things for me, and holy is his name. And his mercy is upon generation after generation toward those who fear him. He has done mighty deeds with his arm. He has scattered those who are proud in their thoughts and of their heart. He has brought down rulers from their thrones and has exalted those who are humble. He has filled the hungry with good things and has sent away the rich empty-handed. He has given, all, he has given help to Israel, his servant, in remembrance of his mercy. He has spoke to our fathers, to Abraham and his descendants forever. Beautiful. But that's not a, that's not a, a rabbi speaking. That's a 15-year-old girl. A 15-year-old girl who obviously loves God, has a heart for God, has a heart for God's word because she quotes Psalms, she quotes the Proverbs, she quotes the Prophets, She, she recites the covenant promises of God. Again... The Lord has pursued her with grace, seeing her heart and receiving this. And understand again, as we take a look at a little bit more about this heart in this girl and the reception of what it is, this monumental task that is being handed to her. This is, this is, this is beyond even what we can comprehend in our culture today because understand what, what is being said here. You are going to become pregnant and in that society, she is not married yet. She is betrothed, but, but the betrothal period is like the engagement period that we, we, we have in our society. However, the difference is you are as good as married when you are betrothed to someone. It tells us in verse 19 that, that Joseph is her husband, even though the wedding ceremony has not happened yet. So if now all of a sudden she is pregnant during this process, the scorn, the humiliation that she will face. Notice, too, that there is no mention in Luke's record here of the angel speaking to her. There is no mention of what Joseph's reaction will be. The angel doesn't say, hey, by the way, we're going to go talk to Joseph about this so you don't have to worry about it. There's no mention of that. Again, now put yourself in this situation. This 15-year-old peasant girl probably is looking forward to one day in her life, and that is her wedding day. She has been looking forward to this day. Her husband now is off preparing a place for her and realizing now the enormity of what she is being asked, she has to be thinking that day will never happen because I will be cast out. I will, I will take on the humiliation of this, this, this enormous task that she is asked to do, this impossible situation. You are gonna become pregnant She says, how? I've never known a man. She's not being argumentative, and I don't even think it's a lack of faith. She's just blown away by the statement. How? But look at her amazing response in verse 38. Behold, the bondslave of the Lord, may it be done to me according to your word. Again, the total submission. God pursuing her. And she says, Lord, whatever it is, notice she does not ask for one single concession. Not one alteration of what God's plan is. She says, Lord, whatever it is, your will be done. So I come back and I ask the question as I asked a few minutes ago. God is pursuing everyone in this room. God is pursuing everyone with his grace. Do we receive it? Do we run from it? Does it it find us or do we flee from it? If we we want to to be used by, by the Lord in monumental, mighty ways, we have to have the attitude of Mary that says, Lord, whatever it is, whatever you would have, how often do we respond to the Lord speaking into our lives and we say, yes, Lord, your will be done, however, but adding a condition, adding, adding something on there that says, okay, Lord, I'm, I'm in it most of the way, but I'm not qualified to do this or I can't handle this or, or whatever it might be. Lord, you don't understand what they've done. You don't understand how this is. You don't, know, Lord, okay, I'll do it. But most of the way, all these types of things, conditions. Mary had none of that. She said, let it be according to your word. Your will be done. Well, as I mentioned, she's visiting Elizabeth now. She's she's there for three months. and, And then afterwards, she returns home, noticeably different, and when she left, three months pregnant now, I mean, people see, people notice, people talking, and, and now she has to tell Joseph. And we're, we're, we don't, we're, the, the Gospels don't tell us the, the conversation that took place between Mary and Joseph, but we can imagine, right? Ah, uh, Joseph, honey, you're not gonna believe this, but... And we can only imagine Joseph's response... Who was it? I'll bet it was Yossi. I've seen the way he looks at you. You know? No, 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 it's not like that. It's not like that. I'm still a virgin. It, it was God. And let's, let's cut Joseph a break, right? I mean, come on, that's, that's a lot to take in. But we see something amazing about the character in Joseph too. Verse 19, and Joseph, her husband, being a righteous man, and not wanting to disgrace her, planned to send her away secretly. Now again, like Mary, we don't know a whole lot about Joseph. But we do know that he was a carpenter, also from Nazareth. And, and he was a poor man. He did not have wealth. We know that because when, when Jesus, when they bring Jesus, baby Jesus, to the temple to present him to the Lord with the offering that is called for in the Old Testament. They, they bring two turtle doves. That is the the concession that you can bring that as an offering instead of a lamb if you are poor. So we know that they are poor. But we also know that Joseph, as with Mary, is chosen by God for this. We know that he is... He is also a man after God's heart. He is a man who, who knows God's, God's word and, and seeks to honor God with his life. We see that in the, where it says that he is a righteous man. He, know, he wants to obey God's word. And in that, can you imagine the struggle now that is within him? Because in Deuteronomy, it, it outlines what should be done with a woman who commits adultery. It tells us in Deuteronomy 22 that, that in a consensual sexual relationship, that, that where that an adulterous relationship, the woman and the man must be stoned. They must be killed. If it is non-consensual, then the, woman, the woman's life is spared. However, in the Mishnah, it says that she cannot marry her fiancé, the one she is betrothed to. So, here we have Joseph struggling through this and, and wrestling through this and the amazing character comes out. He's not reacting in his flesh. Can you imagine the betrayal? Can you imagine how his heart feels? As much as he wants to believe what she's telling him, how can he believe that? And so he is, he's broken over this. He's, he feels betrayed. His flesh probably wants to, to take out, take revenge on all of this. He's been off preparing a place for her. He's been been building onto his father's home, and again, as a carpenter, as as a mason, he's probably doing the best work he's ever done to build this place, only to find out that she's pregnant, but we see that he is full of mercy and grace because it says he didn't want to see her disgraced. He didn't want this to, to turn into this humiliation for her, so he planned to put her away secretly. That means, again, there's an official divorce that must take place. They're engaged, but the official divorce only requires two witnesses. So it seems like he's planning and mulling over, okay, how can we do this with as little fanfare as possible, without people knowing what is going on? But look again, too, now, as we can continue, the character of Joseph. And another thing, again, seeking after the Lord. Verse 20, it says, but when he had considered this. That word there, considered, means to to ponder, to to go over it, and and no doubt praying. And, And in that, we see, okay, I know what I should do. I know what my flesh wants to do. But Lord, what do you want me to do? I can only imagine, as he is. it says, he's considering this, he's pondering this, he's taking time with this, and he's, again, no doubt praying, Lord, what is going on? Again, understand where his heart must be in this. Lord, I thought this was a marriage made in heaven. I mean, Mary is like the perfect girl. She loves you, and, and I love you, and all of this stuff, and how can this be, and what do I do now? And he's pondering this. And again, I see in this, also, a great question that, that I was confronted with, and I, I, I pray that we all do. Again, if we want to be used in a way that will um, amaze us, we need to have the heart as Joseph does in this, and, and ask ourselves, do we allow the Lord to speak into our situations? Regardless of how they look, regardless of the, f- the fact that this situation might be, this is an open and shut case. This is, boom, this is, everything lines up and this is how I should do it. My initial reaction is this, do we allow God to speak into our situation? Joseph did, and God did. God spoke into it. Look, verse 20, but when he had considered this, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David... Do not be afraid to take Mary as your wife, for the child who has been conceived in her is of the Holy Spirit. She will bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. As he's considering this, as he's pondering this, as he's praying, God answers. I, I, I love, again, how God speaks into a situation. Again, speaking now to Joseph. He says, he, the angel comes, and he says, Joseph son of David, son of David. We talked last time about how important genealogy and lineage is to a Jewish person, so there's no doubt Dave or Joseph knew that he was of a descendant of David, but I can almost guarantee you, this is the first time he's ever been called son of David. Poor carpenter from Nazareth, son of David, bringing on that royalty. Don't be afraid. Do not be afraid, Joseph, There was plenty to fear again because now if Joseph does not do as he he should do according to the customs and, and the law, if he does not follow through that, he will take on the shame himself. But we see in verse 24, Joseph's obedience. And Joseph awoke from his sleep And did as the angel of the Lord commanded him, and took Mary as his wife, but kept her a virgin until she gave birth to a son, and he called his name Jesus. We see two aspects of Joseph's obedience that are required of all of us. First of all, it's immediate. And second of all, it's complete. Immediate obedience and complete obedience. Delayed obedience is disobedience. Partial obedience is disobedience. Joseph woke from his sleep and did exactly as the angel commanded him. Now, again, we're not told of the conversation that he had with Mary. But, but again, we can only imagine. I can, I can only imagine that Joseph ran never ran faster in his life that morning than it was from his house to Mary's house. And he said, that angel... That you told me about. He talked to me last night. And I believe you. And then the, as they sit down together. And ponder the enormity of it all. And again. how, how What they are going to go through. And that they are going to go through it together. But again knowing that God is with them through it all. It says that. That he called his name Jesus. Joseph called his name Jesus. In that very act, what he is doing is he is taking Jesus as his son. And again, that that whole adoption as his son, as we spoke of last week. Called his name Jesus. Jesus, Yeshua. Meaning, Jehovah is salvation. Yeshua was an extremely common name then. Jesus was, was a name that was used by many, many, many boys. Many, a lot of kids had the name, the name Yeshua, Jesus. But this boy, different. Jesus Christ. Now, Christ is not his last name. Mary and Joseph didn't have a mailbox out front that said the Christ family, you know, Joseph Christ, Mary Christ, this is our son, Jesus Christ. No, Christ isn't his last name. Christ is his title. Messiah, the promised one, the Christ, the Messiah, as we see back in, in Matthew chapter 1, verse 1, the genealogy of Jesus the Messiah, Jesus the Christ. And we are told that Jesus is. It encapsulates what he does. Verse 21 tells us that he will save his people from their sins. This is what he does. Paul writing to Timothy in 1 Timothy chapter two, says, "For there is one God and one mediator also between God and men, the man Christ Jesus, who gave himself as a ransom for all, the testimony given at the proper time." One God and one mediator between God and men. A mediator is needed when there are two parties that are in conflict that cannot resolve the issue themselves. A mediator needs to step in. What p- conflict could possibly be between God and men? <laughs> well, let's take a look at the parties. Men, men, men and women, sinners, all of us. The Bible tells us that all of us have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Everyone. The Bible tells us that the wages of sin is death. The Bible tells us that all who have sinned under the law will be judged under the law. God, the other party, holy, righteous, just, cannot turn a blind eye to sin, cannot sweep it under the carpet, the Bible also tells us in Romans chapter 1, for the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness. There is nothing ungodly that can that can just be looked away from. All ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who by their unrighteousness suppress the truth. This the enormity of the truth of these statements, that there is, that there is a separation between God and man in sin that cannot be reconciled in our own efforts, fell upon a man named Job. And he said this, I am afraid of all my pains. I know you will not acquit me. I understand my sin, God, and I know that you will not turn a blind eye to it. You will not just pretend it didn't happen. I am accounted wicked. Why then should I toil in vain? If I should wash myself with snow and cleanse my hands with lye, yet you would plunge me into the pit and my clothes would abhor me. I am accounted wicked. And if I try to fix the problem myself, if I try to wash and clean myself, it is, it's, a, it's a fool's errand. There is no way that I could possibly do that. For he is not a man as I am that I may answer him, that we may go to court together. There is no umpire or mediator between us who will, may lay his hand upon us both. Job realizing his situation, saying, I can't, even, I can't even justify myself. I can't stand before a holy and righteous God. Who am I to argue with what he would bring against me? And his plea and his cry is, there is no one who can mediate between the two of us. He fully grasps the enormity of the situation. This man Job, by the way, Job 1.1 one tells us that he was blameless and upright. Now that does not mean sinless, but that means he was a godly man. It tells us that he feared God and he, he turned from evil. He fled from evil. That's recorded for us in Job 1.1. I don't want to tell you what's written in Brett one one. And I, I doubt that any of you would want to get up and, and, and make those kind of claims about yourself as Job was. Job was a righteous man. He was a godly man. Yet when he realized and he looked upon himself, in, the, in our text it tells us, he says, I am accounted wicked. As good as Job was, still wicked and evil because of sin in his life. But without a mediator, without one to step in, the Bible tells us we are enemies of God. Now, a mediator is one who fully represents both sides. A mediator can't be one that leans one way or the other. A mediator must be able to represent both sides, hence the need for God himself to become a man, to fully represent God and to fully represent man. It's the only way that this can happen. And Paul, when he wrote to Timothy, as we read a moment ago, tells us that this mediator gave himself as a ransom for us. A ransom is what is given in exchange for something else. He gave his righteousness, his perfect life, in exchange for our lives, his righteousness for our sin. The author of Hebrews says this, Hebrews 9.15, For this reason... He is the mediator of a new covenant so that since a death has taken place for the redemption of the transgressions that were committed under the first covenant, those who have been called may receive the promise of the eternal inheritance. Because of this mediator, this God man stepping out of heaven, becoming a man and giving his life as a ransom, we have eternal life. Here we have in the first chapter of Matthew, the gospel according to grace. He will save his people from their sins. He will save his people from their sins. Who are his people? The Bible says all who will come. All who will come. The invitation is open to everyone. It is not a secluded thing. It is not an exclusive thing. The offer is open to everyone. Jesus said, come to me, all who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. If you are here today and you have never given your life to the Lord Jesus, you have never trusted in him, you are carrying the burden and the weight of your sin, the guilt and the shame yourself still. You know I'm talking to you right now. Jesus says, come, give it to me. Give it to me. I will take it upon myself. I will give you rest. He said, take my yoke upon you and learn from me. He says, for I am gentle and humble in heart. And you will find rest for your souls. You want rest today? Come to Jesus. He says that all who come to him, All who come to him. He will in no way cast out. He will not turn away anyone who comes to him. Now, again, if you are here and and that is you that I'm speaking to right now, you might be saying to yourself, you have no idea what you're saying because you don't have any idea about the sin in my life. You don't know what I've done. You don't know the things that were in my past. You don't know the things that I've done just recently. You're right, I don't. But Jesus does. And he says, come. Bring it all. Because his precious, perfect blood was poured out as a sacrifice to pay the penalty for that sin. All of it. The the enormity of this all is underscored by the fact that his blood, his perfect blood, was poured out as a sacrifice for you and for your sin. You cannot out-sin his grace. It is a perfect sacrifice. Just come, but you have to come on his terms. He said, I am the way, the truth, and the life, and no one comes to the Father except through me. You have to come on his terms. You have to to recognize your situation as Job did, a hopeless situation, hopelessly lost in your sin, that there is nothing that you can do to fix that problem. That requires humility. You have to humble yourself. You have to say, I can't do this, God. I need you. You need to repent of your sin. That means turn from your sin and turn to the Lord Jesus and receive the free gift of salvation, exchanging your sin for his righteousness. You need to acknowledge the fact that you need a mediator, you need a savior, and Jesus is that only savior. If that is you, please do not leave here today without making Jesus the Lord of your life. We're gonna pray here in a moment. But before we do, in verse 22, please look at that with me. We skipped over it. We've got to come back to that as we close. Now, all this took place to fulfill what was spoken by the Lord through the prophet. Now, notice it says, spoken by the Lord. This is the Lord speaking. Through the prophet Isaiah, behold, the virgin shall be with child and shall bear a son. And they shall call his name Emmanuel, which translated means God with us. I love that word, behold. Behold. <laughs> It's one of those words that you can't just gloss over. Behold. It literally means stop and look. Take a moment and take it in. We can get, again, we can get in this season. We can get all wrapped up in all of that's going on and we can say, yeah, I know the story. Yeah, I've been there. I've, I've been a Christian a long time. And we can, and God is saying, stop and look. Behold, a virgin Will bear a son, and you will call his name Emmanuel, which means God with us. That takes a moment to take in. God with us. Jesus was not a godly man, he was the God man taking on flesh. Jesus, as we mentioned, that's that's what he does. Emmanuel is who he is, he is God with us. Paul wrote to the church in Philippi, have this attitude in yourselves, which was also in Christ Jesus, who although he existed in the form of God, did not regard equality with God a thing to be grasped, but emptied himself taking the form of a bondservant and being made in the likeness of men, being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. Again, the enormity of all of this. Behold, God himself emptied himself, became a man, became one of us, lived a perfect sinless life and then gave that life as a ransom for us, what a glorious thing! Now, as we close this up real quick, you might be saying, "Okay, I, I gotcha. I, 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 I'm, I understand. He became a man. He became one of us. He exchanged. I get. But why? Why a baby? Why did he have to be born a baby?" Well, if you want the answer to that, you've got to come on Wednesday. <laughs> Let's pray.